This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. Welcome back to Docere Digest. I'm Dr. Craig Farney. Last time we discussed how we receive and process information, and today we're going to talk about where that information comes from. In our series on parasites, if you guys remembered, we talked about how the moon can impact the tides, it can impact uh, parasitic activity, and even our serotonin and melatonin levels. So this is kind of an example of what we talked about as far as our environment in impacting us. The other thing I thought about too is as we were talking about the subconscious and unconscious and how we actually process information, you have the impact of our DNA and then you have the impact of our environment. And so part of what we're going to get at too is not only how uh, we receive information from our environment, but also how that impacts how we actually process the information as well. So we're going to start with Dr. Caleb. He's going to talk about the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then Dr. Ben's going to talk about the earth. And then Kyson, Dr. Kyson is going to talk about living things. And finally, Dr. Luke is going to talk about radiation and pollutional influences. So, Dr. Caleb, take us to the stars. All right. So, like I said, I'm going to be starting at a cosmic level. But I thought it would be kind of interesting since last time I started by talking about a Greek philosopher, Aristotle. This time I thought I'd talk about another Greek philosopher, Pythagoras. So you may be familiar with his name if you took geometry class and learned of the Pythagorean theorem. Don't worry, although I did work as a high school math tutor for several years, this won't be a geometry lesson. <clears throat> Instead, I want to talk about his concept of musica universalis, or universal music. So it's also called the music of spheres or the harmony of the spheres. So this concept regarded the proportions in the movements of the sun, the moon, and the planets as a form of music. <clears throat> so interesting, there's also been many musicians and other scientists who have looked at different vibrational frequencies of the planets and uh, translated that into musical notes and made music out of it. Um, you can find some interesting videos on YouTube. Uh, there's also a really cool one about an, um, the TRAPPIST-1 star system um, where they just kind of took the revolution of the planets around the, the sun or the star <clears throat> and um, kind of converted that into music. It was really interesting to listen to. Of course, there's a, also a lot of debate on whether sound actually can or if it travels or how it travels through space because there's not enough molecules there for the vibrations to pick up to. But I kind of look at it kind of like a telephone. You have the signals being sent, but it's not until they get to the destination that they're interpreted and kind of rewired. So, <clears throat> but regardless of that, what I actually want to talk about is the is not debatable, is that energy travels through space to the Earth and is most notable regarding the sun and the moon. 
So I want to ask you guys this question. When was the last time you actually wondered what the sun is or contemplated what the sun is? Probably in high school physics. (laughs) Been a while, right? It's interesting because I was looking at this. I was like, you know, the sun is basically a massive fusion reactor. So -hmm. it's continually combining atoms of nuclei, which releases incredible amounts of energy. You know, we talked about the different forms of energy in the first episode, and this is where we get into that nuclear radiation, the fusion and fission aspects, where the energy of the nucleus is really transformed and released in different ways. So it's estimated that 99.98% of the energy that the Earth receives comes from the sun. So here's another question for you guys. What forms of energy do we get from the sun? Ultraviolet, magnetic, uh, light, heat, photons, infrared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, infrared. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty good. Uh, you know, if this was a test, I would give you guys a solid A. Not awesome. a, not quite an A plus, but gamma you know, rays, solid A. Wait, I'll give extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's obviously the solar radiation aspects, which is kind of broadly throughout the electromagnetic spectrum. So there's the photon or light energy, which is the visible light. Um, there's UV light, infrared, radio waves, X-rays, gamma rays, heat energy, and then also gravitational energy. Mm. You know, we don't think about this one as much, but the gravitational energy keeps us orbiting the sun in that perfect habitable range. You know, it's what we call the Goldilocks principle. You know, not too much, not too little. We're in just the right spot. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, it'd be too hot. If we were a little farther away, it'd be too cold. If our axis of how the sun or the earth was tilted was different, then we wouldn't have the proper seasons. We wouldn't have the, you know, birth, death, or life and death cycles of the plants and animals and what we need for that aspect for life, for continued life. Let me ask a question. Is that why the Earth actually does change? Is it gravitational pulls at different polars at different times? Is Um, that why that does that? Could be. I haven't actually looked that that deep into that aspect. It's just interesting when you think about, because it's going around the sun with a magnetic pull, but yet it still shifts on its axis from mm-hmm. summer to winter. Yeah. I just find that interesting. I think some that of that is to where we're at in our orbit around. So if it's in one position, then we get to the other side, it's going to be transitioned. Yeah, good point. So, but another interesting thought I had looking through this was when we look at the light energy, you know, going back to what I talked about with Aristotle's belief on sight being whether air or, you know, water, whatever is transparent or not because of the presence of light energy. You know, thinking about this, <clears throat> how what we see is actually, you know, from that light energy, we wouldn't be able to see anything, any beauty in the earth or even in the cosmos without that light energy being present. Right. So, so I thought that was pretty interesting. There's darkness, right? Yep. Um, so, again, all of this energy is coming to the Earth, but what does the Earth do with it? So, to really look at this, we have to look at the energy exchange or energy balance in the atmosphere. So, if we consider 100% of the energy coming towards us or towards the Earth, 30% is reflected back out to space by either the atmosphere itself clouds or the earth's surface and again like we were talking about with the light you know that reflecting back is going to be what actually allows us to see colors and different variations in the planet the way the planets look from space because of the way that light energy comes back allows us to see 
uh, colors and shapes and all that like stuff. Like the Northern Lights, that mm -hmm. concept. Yep. Pieces. Well, even just from like uh, the astronauts that go out into right. space, how Earth looks from space is going to be based off of how that light energy is reflecting off the Earth. Off of it, yeah. So yeah. even if you look at all the other planets that we have, the different colors, you know, Mars is red, you know, all of this aspect is going to be from the light reflecting off of the surface of those planets. Yeah. Interesting thought. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so 30% of the energy that comes in is reflected back out. 19% of the solar energy is going to be absorbed into the atmosphere by water vapor, dust, and ozone. And then 51% of solar energy is absorbed into the Earth. And we see this especially through plants and photosynthesis. And again, that goes through a whole process of what we need on the Earth to survive, what plant animals need, and then how we survive from that plant and animal sources. So... Next, I want to talk about the moon. So we know we get all these different types of energies from the sun, but what types of energy do we actually get from the moon? So again, we have the gravitational energy because of its proximity to the earth, and we know that the gravitational forces of the moon play a big part on the ocean tides, which stirs up components along the ocean floor, which allows for a stimulation and support of the uh, oceans, habitats, and ecosystems, but then also the light energy. So when we look at that light energy, is that light energy from the moon itself? It's from the sun. It's reflected from the sun. So again, we have <clears throat> light coming from the sun, but I think with this aspect, we're missing out on a lot of the other aspects like the heat energy and some of those other aspects that don't hit us directly because those aren't getting reflected the same way the light it's energy diffused. is. Yeah, yeah, it's been diffused. Right. So I just thought that was kind of interesting too. <clears throat> so we know both the sun and moon both exhibit gravitational force on the earth and also can affect the tides. <clears throat> Although the, um, the gravitational force of the sun is greater overall, it's at a greater distance. Mm -hmm. So the moon actually has a more dominant effect over the differences in our tides. Now, the interesting thing is they've measured that the frequency range of the oceans or seas are around 14 to 30 hertz, and then sea waves under calm conditions produce sounds that are between 0 0.05 to 16 hertz. So I thought this was interesting because since our bodies and cells are mostly water, this means we probably vibrate at the same frequency as the ocean or the sea. And I think this is one of the reasons why being at the beach can be so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we talked about many other aspects that uh, is beneficial for being at the beach. And I'm sure you're going to go into some more stuff with your <laughs> section um, as well. But I just thought that was really interesting how <clears throat> just being in tune with that or being near that, we can connect and have kind of more sense of peace, more sense of calm, and just uh, more uh, enjoyment overall. So, so again, we have a lot of energy that's transmitted to the earth. We talked a little bit about how the energy reacts with that. So what do we actually do, or what does the Earth actually use that energy, and does the Earth have energy of its own? What do you think, Dr. Ben? Well, I, I do believe that it does. In fact, I'll start off with a question. Do you know that the Earth has a heartbeat? Right? And we don't normally think about that, yeah. but as you were just describing, all these different frequencies that come from you know the depth of the ocean to actually move and process and pulsate that. So I'm going to liken it to what happens to the, uh, the Earth and its frequencies to the heart. 
So just like our heart has a natural beating rhythm that causes a pulse to our body, it's caused by an electrical impulse that comes from the brain down to our heart. It goes to what's called the SA or the sinoatrial node, which then generates another electrical signal that crosses the upper chambers of the heart of the atria to contract. The signal then passes through the atria to strike, and I use that word intently, to strike the AV node, the atrioventricular node of the lower heart chambers, the ventricles, then causing the heart to contract or pump. All of this signal gives a pulsatile effect in the body, and that's why we call that the pacemaker of the heart, right? Well, the earth has a heartbeat as well, and the cause of that signal begins in the cosmos, as you just reflected there, and it affects the earth, which causes electrical impulse to start the earth pumping energy. So in 1899, the world-renowned scientist inventor Nikola Tesla discovered that the earth resonates a certain frequency, just like a radio broadcast antenna, of approximately 8 hertz, which was interesting, right? So then in the 50s, 1950s, University of Munich professor Winfried Otto Schurman and a group of his students discovered that the Earth generated these very specific pulsations. These later were called the Schumann frequencies or resonances. While they had been predicted in the early 50s, the Schumann resonances were not uh, actually tested or measured reliably until the early 60s. And what they discovered there, that the very low frequency waves with a base of 7.83 megahertz oscillate between greater and lower energy. So it was the focal point of energy oscillations on the Earth. Therefore, the frequency 7.83 hertz has been called the Earth's heartbeat. However, progressively weaker harmonics have been measured at around 14.3, 20.8, 27.3, 33.8, and you just mentioned the ocean, up to 14.3. There are also oscillating upper frequencies between the 8 hertz and the 440 hertz and the 432 hertz, and those are critical uh, frequencies for us to understand. Since then, scientists have discovered the variations in the resonance that correspond to changes in the seasons of the Earth, solar activity, etc., the activity of the Earth's magnetic environment, and in the water aerosols and atmosphere, another Earth-bound phenomenon. So just as you were describing, all these things have an effect on that. Today, we now call the 7.8 hertz frequency of the Earth the Schumann resonance. So with the help of NASA, we now know that there are given, at any given moment, about 2,000 thunderstorms that roll all over the earth, producing some 50 different flashes of lightning every second. All over the earth. And by the way, you know where they found that on? Air Force One, which was built right here in Wichita, by the way. Yeah. So anyway, so each lightning burst creates an electromagnetic, electromagnetic wave that begins to circle the earth, around the earth, and it's captured between the earth's surface and a boundary of the atmosphere, which is about 60 miles high. So that's where they say that's the edge of the earth's atmosphere. So between the Earth and that 60 miles high, all of this electrical impulse is occurring. So some of the waves, if they have just the right wavelength, combine, increasing its strength to create a repeating atmospheric heartbeat known as Schumann's resonance. The waves created by lightning do not look like the up and down waves of the ocean, but they still oscillate with regions of greater energy and lesser energy. These waves remain trapped inside our atmospheric ceiling created by the lower edge of the ionosphere, ionosphere, Sorry, a part of the atmosphere filled with charged particles, which begins about 60 miles up into the sky. So when Dr. Caleb was talking about all these different things that come through that absorb some of these different energies, it's these ions or these mineralizations that are in the air that do that within the clouds or whichever. So in this case, a sweet spot for resonance requires a way to be as long or two to three times as long as the circumference of the Earth. Think about that. An electrical charge wave that is two to three times the circumference of the earth 
It's constantly vibrating between the Earth and that 60-mile ridge of the atmosphere. So there's an extremely low-frequency wave that can be as low as 8 hertz, right? Some 100,000 times lower than the lowest-frequency radio waves used to send the signals to our AM-FM radio, for those that remember those days. Now we're talking about G5, right? As this wave flows around the Earth, it hits itself again at the perfect spot such that the crest and the trowels are aligned. So as it's traveling around the Earth, it hits itself, which helps elongate and contract it or oscillate that energy wave. So viola, waves acting in resonance with each other to pump up the original sound. This resonance provides a useful tool to analyze Earth's weather, its electric environment, and to even help determine what types of atoms and molecules exist in Earth's atmosphere. Through further study, including the use of EEG, or electroencephalograms, we now know that the human brain waves match the Earth's frequency when in the theta wave state. It's believed that healing visualizations are most effective in and thought spontaneous healing is more conducive to this theta brainwave state. Naturally, this information makes it very clear that it's essential to maintain a consistent connection to the Earth's frequency for both great healing and great health. This can be a serious challenge in our technological world where we are bombarded with enormous amounts of man-made electromagnetic frequencies short-circuiting our connection to the Earth's vibration. So think of cell phones, cell phone towers, internet, Wi-Fi, microwave ovens, iPads, Bluetooth devices, radio and TV transmissions, baby monitors, two-way radios, and countless other devices keep us endlessly bathed in a scrambled energy soup that disconnects us from our natural frequency. But studies also show that frequencies emitted from electrical, electrical and mechanical appliances in our homes and our workplaces, such as heating systems, air conditioning systems, they also interfere with the body's ability to stay in sync with the Earth's natural vibrations. I have a question. Yeah. What came to my mind is, are we seeking to create a synthetic man-made connection place? Wow, that's a great, great thought. I, I, I will tell you that the research that I, I've gone through on this, it definitely interrupts it and limits it. In fact, I'll talk about that here versus the city versus the country, the variances that occur, right? So I think with our our desire to have bigger, better, faster, quicker, whatever it is, and now we can touch anywhere in the world, you know, in what, an hour and a half, almost in theory, they have planes that will do some of that stuff. It's like, what is that doing to our own atmosphere? You know, the, the fear of 5G that came up when that first came out. Every, I mean, you had people really scared about all that. And you can see why, because of what it's interrupting and affecting, right? I mean, why else can you, are you not supposed to have phones on in the airplane? It interrupts with their technology, right? It interrupts things. So I don't know. That, that's a great issue that uh, um, I, I want to take into account the intuition, which is we talked about that if that is a maturity phasing, and if we don't have all of that DNA until about 25 years of age anyway, how much of this has been destroyed as kids? Running TVs all the time and listening to phones and having their iPads and, I mean, iPads and all this other stuff. Well, I was thinking about it also in relationship. You're talking about that we resonate, the brain resonates in conjunction with the human's resonance. Right. One of the things I meant to mention last time is, in, in talking about intuition, you're constantly receiving information uh, that they can register on the brain without conscious awareness. Exactly. So. I, what I thought in that is, do we already have the capacity to have these connections with people, but we don't trust that connection, and so now we're creating a synthetic way to have those connections. I would agree with you. I 100% would agree with you. Something to think about. 
so that interference can negatively affect the body's immune system, our energy levels, and our sleep quality. I think I many people have trouble sleep, and it's related to the brain. All these different issues are out of balance. It could be one of the reasons why so many people often feel stressed and anxious. As a result of irregular urbanization and unplanned structuring, high-voltage energy transmission lines and substations are nearby big cities, and people living in those areas are subject to electromagnetic fields. And we've all had patients or clients that have had electrical issues, and they have to have a Faraday cage or something like that just to unwind that. I've seen some pretty bizarre cases where this has really been a key factor because they lived close to, you know, uh, a power station. The effects of electromagnetic pollution have been searched by scientists in various countries from time to time. It's even been seen that children who live in the same neighborhood and those who live nearby the power lines are more likely to catch cancer than others. They've actually done research where they look, why did 70% of the people that lived in this area come with cancer and 30% didn't? They're trying to understand that, but they've come to believe it's because of the altered electromagnetic fields that are in that area. So today, we surround, when we surround ourselves with constant electromagnetic interferences from all these man-altered frequencies, we filter out the Earth's frequency and the connection to our higher self that God created for us as we live here on Earth. What we're left with is just static and noise. Or as Dr. Craig just brought up, it's a man-made interference trying to replace something. Wow. The solution is literally unplug ourselves from all that electrical component and plug ourselves back into the Earth's electrical outlet. So how do we do that? I start by grounding with the earth and listening to music. It's interesting that Dr. Killer brought up the aspect of the, the music of all the different planets, everything's going on. Dr. Wolfgang Ludwig discovered that while the earth's vibration could be clearly measured in nature and in the ocean, it was almost impossible to measure it in the city where man-made signals such as radios, TVs, cars, buildings, phones, and the like override natural signals. So how can we have life in the city Right? or it operates at a different pulsatile effect. He began to think that this could have a large impact or have large implications on human well-being. So the question that I ask is, do you feel generally happier, more peaceful when you're out in nature, away from the hustle and bustle of the city and the noise and the traffic jams and all the neon lights? Most people do. It's not just that you left the city behind or that you're a person who just likes nature. You just got to get out into nature. In nature, your body moves, excuse me, your body more easily tunes into the Earth's frequency and can restore, revitalize, and heal itself more effectively. That's why we got to get away from all the hustle bustle. We got to slow down. We got to reconnect back to the Earth. All right. Think about how you feel after an electrical storm. You breathe easier, you feel more energy, you feel more alive, and you are actually able to do more and want to do more. Think about how it feels to walk barefoot on the grass. How about having your feet in, on the beach or in the water, right? By the way, did you know that there's a new acronym for the word beach? It's best energy always conducts healing. <laughs> <laughs> now, we cannot describe 8 megahertz or 8 hertz without including the 4 point or 432 hertz in the music world. Simply, neither of the two can exist independently of each other. Music has always been, the force to, been a force to reckon with since, it's operation, since it operates in the Earth's frequencies. So here's a question that I'll ask all of you guys. What's the purpose of music? Why did man create music? To shift or alter our perception. That's why the Bible talks about the God inhabits the praises of his people, which is frequencies of music, right? So the frequencies in a track will influence our feelings 
and the responses of the brain, which will depend upon a combination of track frequencies. So if, if you sit down and talk to musicians, how they play all these different components in the track, they have actually identified the frequency range that people feel good about the music and they want to play it more and experience it more. So music helps move stuff. It do, absolutely does. It absolutely does. So the 432 uh, hertz frequency gives a person a strong relaxation sense. It also ensures the brain is tuned to their frequency. And that 432 frequency music heightens perception, increases the mental clarity of a person, and unlocks intuition. So generally, this frequency has been proven to be a healing frequency since it reduces anxiety and lowers the heart rate and blood pressure. Did you know that the music we listen to on a daily basis is always at 440 hertz? That's what they transmitted at, and that's why you have to have a tuner to tune that in. When we change the tuning from 440 to 432, even it out at eight cycles for every second, there exists a shift in our body's thought, our body and our thoughts. Research has shown that a patient who was fond of listening to the 432 music before, during, or after a root canal surgery would experience less anxiety. So this causes the nerve to go into a soothing state, which leads to improved vital signs such as heart rate and blood pressure. If a frequency can positively influence the results of surgery, then why won't it change our lives? Listening to 432 music will reduce anxiety, give you emotional healing, and as we said earlier, give you a better intuition. Music affects your psyche. It affects some internal functions such as the heart rate, reduces anxiety and blood pressure. The frequency will resonate inside a person's body, thereby releasing any emotional blockage and align the person with the universe's heartbeat or their heartbeat. It is a frequency that engages the synchronicity between both, both brain hemispheres and with increased intuition, insight, and creativity. So you are in a creative mood. We have people put on music. They get calm, and all of a sudden clarity comes in. They can think things through. Music is made of healing properties due to its frequency, and this is what music was originally created for, to change our stressors and reconnect us back to nature or to our God. Finally, in the Earth's heartbeat, we know that what is called the electrical chimney causes the greatest amount of electrical storms or hotspots in Asia, Africa, and South America. Some researchers believe that with all the man-made devices, electrical energy consumption, and all the industrialization and technological development in the world's environment, it's been subjected to electromagnetic pollution. Because it is invisible and its effects don't occur immediately, electromagnetic pollution has not been considered particularly important compared to other types of environmental pollutions. But they believe that the increase in the electrical storms has caused an increase of the impact of bad effects upon the human body as well as the animal and the plant kingdoms. Their belief is that our bodies are truly affected by electromagnetic frequencies generated by insistent lightning strikes. Some believe a spike in the resonance can influence people and animals, while a reversal may also be possible, where human consciousness can both be impacted by and itself impact the human resonances. When they researched all the pandemics that have occurred over all the years, all the millennia, don't quote me, but I think it was 17 pandemics, including the recent one, the COVID pandemic, they found that most all pandemics began in either Asia, Africa, or South America, where all these lightning strikes were hit. It is their logic that the sudden source of global stress that this has caused that produced a worldwide tension was able to change the resonances and therefore alter most of the life on our planet. Something to think about as we're discussing how the earth affects our health and healing. And with that, 
Dr. Keish will help us clarify all that. Wow, that's a whole lot of information there. And th- I mean, it was, I learned a lot. Thank you. So that's why we call him Wiki Benipedia. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to talk about living things. And so far, we've talked about the non living things here. So um, when we talk about living things, we're talking about the same matter that is everywhere else on the earth and the cosmos, except for it has a life force, mm-hmm. something that brings order to chaos. So it's pretty interesting when we look at how these things work. So when we go back and we look at a periodic table and we look at the molecular weight of each type of element that's on that chart, we can see that it vibrates at a different frequency. So everything on the elemental chart there or the periodic table has a vibrational frequency. So when we start combining these atoms together and start piecing them together, creating molecules, they have another type of frequency combined together. So it goes from a single note to a chord, and then we go through and we take these and we create tissues. Tissues then become a different type of music or a symphony. And then we create those different symphonies together and we create a organism or a living being, whether that's us as humans, animals, plants, even getting to the microscopic things like yeast and bacteria and parasites and all the other stuff, mold, things like that we dealt with. Viruses, depending on where you fall in the argument, are they living things or not? So all of these things have a life force that's driving them not just to exist in the world, but to propagate and continue to grow. And we know that because they're still around <laughs> and they're still continuing to thrive. So everything that is here has a purpose on this earth. It's all part of the music. So in that, we have to understand that just because we have a bacterial doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing in our body. Why did that allow to exist here? It has a purpose in our environment to help. So everything serves a a purpose. And so when you look at it from that degree, it all has a life force. Where does this life force come from? Well, we're Judeo-Christian belief system, so we know that God put that into our environment for us or into the world for us to exist. So when we look at that, we go, okay, living things have a their own music, as we want to call it. So we all have our own music. It's very similar. We have a little mm-hmm. bit of different uh, change to it. So some of us are a little bit more country. Some of us are a little more rock and roll. Dance to a beat of a different drummer, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And so, but very similar. So same instruments, maybe comes out a little bit differently. So he's playing a little bit differently. So we go back and we look at this and we say, okay, so this may be a strange concept for you, but you're well aware of it because we interact with all these living things in our environment. Why do certain frequencies of certain things turn us off or turn us on or attract us or, or repel us? You Like we were talking about in an earlier episode, you walk into a room and you see somebody in there or you feel something or you sense something, getting back to the intuition here, uh, this isn't right. I don't feel comfortable here. There's something that's throwing off my own energy or my own frequency, my own music is being disrupted. Something's out of balance. And so we try to get away from that. We try to repel that. Sometimes we can withstand it for so long before, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And we just get out and leave. Same thing happens with other things that we're attracted to. So the frequency of other things attract us. Why do we pick out certain colors that we like? I mean, what's interesting with colors is we look at our shirts here. They're all blue, except for it's actually the exact opposite. They're nothing blue at all. Blue is what's being reflected back because they're absorbing all the other colors. Light energy. Yeah. And so what we see is what is not being absorbed. And so why do certain things attract us? Why does that frequency 
resonate with us. So a question for you, is it because we're deficient or and we therefore need it or because we need to amplify it? That's a that's a yeah. interesting thought. Are we are we boosting something that we need more of because it makes us feel better or are we trying to make up for something and this is why even in our clinic, and we'll talk about this in other episodes, we do so much with color therapy, right. sound therapy, all these things. Using sulfagio frequencies on tuning forks, all these things have an impact on the body and change and shift it. And so when we go through that. Also, going back to whole tones, if you guys are interested, look up whole tones. It's some very healing music that we use quite a bit in our clinic. So everything has its own frequency. So why do certain things attract us? And so why is it we, we crave certain foods or we see something like, oh, I really want that. We, our body says, hey, hey, that's good for us. We need more of that. So I, I, I jokingly talk about the song of flowers with my patients because flowers have so many healing properties to them. And most people don't realize that many flowers and plants, their DNA is so much more complex than ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 to, time, to 20 times, up to I think even 100 times right, totally. more DNA in a flower than in our own human bodies. They're so much more complex than we are. And God created them that way for us to be able to use. I remember going back and watching old movies or looking at old pictures of like hospitals and sanitariums and stuff. And the gardens were such a huge part of that. They'd take people out and put them in the gardens with all the flowers and everything else. It's such a huge part of that, being the sun, getting the fresh air, and being in the presence of all these flowers were very healing. I don't know if they understood the full concept of it, but they knew that it had an effect. Result, yeah. When was the last time you were at a hospital and you went out to the gardens? I mean, I try not to go to the hospital at all, but, you know, it's it, these things are things that I think have been lost in some ways or dismissed because they weren't fully understood. But... All of these things have a huge effect on us to try to work in harmony with our lives. So going back to looking at um, the frequency of living things here, especially when we get to bacteria or probiotics, they outnumber us 100 to 1. Is that what it is? You know, as far as our cells, there's 100 more cells of that in our body. So if all these things have their own frequency and vibration and we're destroying these things and we're limiting this – does this affect our intuition kicking back to our other one? Because so many of these things have create psychobiotics, which create things that our body needs to work well. So how much of our gut feeling comes from other life forms living within us, telling us that this is what's good for you and what we need. And we're overwhelming that. So there's a communication in our own body. And then there's a communication of the probiotics in our gut and our microbiota that affects our music in a positive way. And when we disrupt that, it disrupts a lot of our health. And so that that's a, a big part of that. So the, 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 the flowers, the trees, everything that's around us have a huge effect. Now, when we get into animals, which is interesting, I always jokingly talk about dogs, dolphins, and horses. People are very attracted to all this. They all, I mean, cats too. But, but you know, they all have healing aspects for us. I mean, they're, we are, we're attracted to them. They're attracted to us and our energy fields coalesce to create a greater music and they're soothing to us and they help to heal us. This is why horse therapy is a really big thing. They'll take a lot of people with different chronic issues or different disabilities and they'll put them on horses and it just completely changes them. They're relaxed. Horses put out a huge gigantic energy field that can be very good for us. On the other side, we can also be detrimental to them with our health issues. So it's finding that balance there. So anybody who's ever 
held a dog or held another animal or something that makes them feel better. I don't understand the whole spiders and snakes and things like that, but you know, teach their own. <laughs> but it's it's these things here how they interact with us and in our body and and making this music that we need either to heal us or to change things. So the the frequency of living things in our life are affect us in a lot of ways. So when we come back from our standpoint as doctors, we go what frequencies are messed up here? And so in some of our energy testing, we're going to get that in episode six, kind of talk about how we tap into this and how we kind of understand what's going on in the body or what they're missing and what frequencies they need. Because I'm not quite concerned. Do you need this herb? Do you need this medication? Do you need this? We're more looking at the frequencies of your body where they're having issues. How do we adjust that or tweak that or modify that by adding in other frequencies to raise or to lower everything's in the body. So if we're going to try to lower the frequencies of some infectious disease, whether it's mold, yeast, or that, we need to find something that's going to bring their frequency down to slow them down, to kill them off, to drive them so your body can take over with its immune system and take it over. On the other side, if we need things to heal tissues, we need to go figure out how do we raise the frequencies of that? How do we stimulate the body to do that? Can we go through and stimulate stem cells so we can get stimulated by our stem cells to start healing things in a major way. So we're always looking at this energy here. And I think we're on some cutting edge stuff of what we're getting ready to do in the clinic and some of the things we're doing and actually figuring out what we need as far as energetics. Now that could be herbal. It could be homeopathic. It could be essential oils. It could be light therapy. It could be all these different things, which we're going to go into in a little more in the next few episodes. But these are important things that we need to understand. So we're not just saying you have this, take this. It's it's not you have this bacteria, you need an antibiotic. No, we're looking at why did your body have an issue? Why did it even get infected with the bacteria? Why is there dysfunction here? We need to reset that because if we're only treating it and then we leave it alone, it'll come back again. Right. We've got to address the underlying cause of this. And so that's always been my concept as a doctor. I want to get to the root cause. But man, that goes deep yeah. and deeper and deeper. And the layers. more we go... The more I try to dive into that, I'm like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, <laughs> because subconscious and unconscious, huh? Exactly. So my intuition was telling me that's what I need to do, and here I am. So We, we talk about the whole body and a whole earth experience. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've actually had to have people move from different areas because what that environment there was doing to their body and, and those kind of things. It's interesting. I was, I was thinking about this on the music aspect, the Baroque music, which I've personally listened to a lot of times. If you can't go to sleep and we just, you know, turn that on. How people get deep sleep, I mean, restful sleep. And over time, this music, I mean, even in plants in the house, you play the right music, these plants thrive, animals thrive, you know? And think about a cat. I think you were talking about this earlier, but the purring of a cat, what it does to certain people, it's like, oh. Yeah, that frequency, that vibration, yeah. it, it's it's healing. So it's interesting because I talked to a guy one time who has a vineyard out in California and we were talking about frequencies of, oh, he goes, we play music for the vines all the time. I go, you do what? <laughs> they <laughs> have what? giant speakers out there and they play certain frequencies of sound and music. And they found that it stimulates the growth in their harvests double or yeah. more just by playing the right music. I'm like, wow. If yeah. it works for grapes, it should work for us. So if we eat those grapes and we're getting that frequency, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absorbing it. Right. So all those things are the life energy that we need that we're getting into our body. So it's pretty interesting when we look at this from as doctors and go, okay, I'm not just trying to treat a disease. I'm trying to bring balance and harmony into the body in a world where we are more impacted now by 
so many other things that are in our life. And I'm going to let Dr. Luke get into that here with electromagnetic uh, radiation and frequencies that we're being bombarded with. But something just to think about is, are, is your body living in harmony? Do you feel harmonious? Do you feel at peace? Or when was the last time you felt it? Right. Exactly. Right. And how do we get you back there? Right. We're not supposed to live a life where we're constantly living anxiety and stress and stress kills. So we all know that. I mean, it'll eventually wipe us out. I mean, heart disease, cancer, all these things here that goes back to stress here being an issue. Not only does it tax the body, but it completely um, destroys our um, balance of our hormones and how we deal with things, how we heal. And so all these things are important. So it's, it's very interesting. So our goal here is to really kind of come in and tune you up and get you back in. So uh, another question, Dr. Kaisen. So when we talk about eating naturally grown, organically raised, you know, fruits and vegetables, is that part of the life force that we're actually getting? I and mean, we, we always think about it as the nutrient substrate of the fruit and vegetable we're eating, but we forget we're eating the energy that grew that because energy never stops, right? It just trans. What's, what was it you said? Transforms. Transforms, converts, right. So we're taking the energy the plant received to grow, to be a conduit, if you will, that when we eat those fruits and vegetables, now that energy comes into us and gives us life. It's interesting. There's a type of photography where they can actually go pick mm-hmm. up the energetic waves or the energy field around things. And so they've taken pictures of apples that were organic and ones that weren't. And you can see the light difference just completely changes. We don't pick it up with the with our eyes normally, but with this type of photography, they can actually see these energy fields coming off of this stuff. And it's like, and they can measure it and they go, okay, here it is. Here's a week later. And they can watch as it starts to rot and decay. Krillian, how it goes down to nothing. Yeah, that's what it is. So, and we were talking in one of our meetings earlier, you know, before we were playing this whole series, and we were talking about what we learned at school, these nerve nodes. You want to explain that as far as all the stuff that comes out of that, those energies? Remember that conversation? I'm not remembering it right right now. So we were trained that, you know, certain aspects of neuronal nodes is just input going in, input going out. Yeah. Right. So we're we're taught that this key and lock mechanism, as we're taught, as something comes along and it has to unlock into that in a physical manner to open up a cell to have a change. And what we found is that these things are actually like tuning forks on the outside. And if you guys have ever seen how a tuning fork tunes a piano, what it does is, it, is they hold the tuning fork over the string and they turn the string until it starts vibrating or tightening it up until it starts vibrating. And then you're at that right frequency. So you can have something that's very small and insignificant that you may not think of, but as it flows through the body and it goes by just passing by these cells, it will have a shift and change on these mm-hmm tuning forks, as we call it, because it'll hit that, start that vibrational frequency and have an effect down that cell, which then can have an effect in other tissues. And it continued to flow through the body. And this right. is why homeopathics or energetics, even though they don't seem like there's much to them, there's an, it's not a big giant pill full of matter right. that we think of. Energetically, it goes through there. And this is where we get into hardware versus software a little bit more. Right. And we're dealing with more software here where we're almost rewriting your code. We're upgrading, you're updating you and we're patching your software. Or fine tuning. Or fine tuning. (laughs) And this is what we're trying to do here is to get your software operating at a normal level again. Sometimes our software gets bugs in it and we have to, or get antivirals (laughs) and to clean them up, which is so similar to what we're dealing with here. So. I think another interesting thing that I thought about is we're talking about how our environment impacts us. 
about how we, which Dr. Luke's getting ready to dive into this, we impact our environment. And we mm-hmm. tend to kind of think of those as separate things. No, everything is connected. And as the more harm we do to our environment, the more harm we're actually doing to ourselves. So it, it's, yes, our environment impacts us, but we also impact it. Yeah. And what is it that we're doing? So as I think of it this way, every person we make better, we're all better. Because we, as you're saying, these living things interact with each other. It's not just the individual thing that's the issue. It's the interaction between all of us. It's that symphony, as you talked about. You may have a brass section that's doing great. But what about the violins, the woodwinds, and all this other type of stuff? So going back to what I just said here about if you can influence a cell, you, it'll, it'll affect the cells around it. Same thing when our, in our lives communally, as we're in a group, as doctors or in a clinic, or when we come in and we look at our families, if one individual there is suffering, everybody suffers. Right. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how do we fix that and change that dynamically so it will then affect the community they're in? I like to think we have a pretty good community in our office, in our yep. clinic here, that we all work well together. We have a good vibrational frequency. And that way when people come in, and I get a lot of compliments on this from patients that come in all the time going, I just love it here. I just feel so relaxed, so comfortable here. And that's really what we're trying to do. And so in that, we take care of our staff, we take care of each other's doctors, and we try to make sure that there's no issues there that we can go through. And not that everybody working together, you're going to have issues. But for the most part, I think we work pretty harmoniously together. And that's trying to just keep us all moving forward and help our patients change the world. Another thing about that is what you just brought up on family members. Think about why one certain family member gets sick or has some issues, and yet we can get them well, and they go back to that environment, and it comes back. So sometimes we have to treat the whole family in different levels or different ways. And think about the dynamic of a house where there's a lot of tension and stress and emotional things and, you know, all the bad stuff you think about could happen in families. If that unit is falling apart, everybody in that unit falls apart. And if we can bring back healing resonations or properties back into that, we can get everybody better. One other question for you, Dr. Kyson, is are rocks dead? Were rocks ever alive? <laughs> That's a big question. It is. I, I don't know that I'd necessarily consider a rock a, a living thing because it doesn't have necessarily a life force to it. But, but it as does ions that vibrate. But it do, well, it's right. made of matter. Right. And all matter vibrates at different frequencies and different things. And this is where it's kind of interesting where we get into crystals or other stones. I mean, we found different types of granite have a huge impact on people grounding and be able to change and shift their body. We've seen that happen just with people with viruses, be able right. to change the body for it can actually fight off a virus. And so all these different stones have different frequencies. Uh, something interesting here, and Luke, I know you're dying to chomping at the bit to, to go, but... <laughs> no, I'm just trying to stay with it. <laughs> so... We're talking about the beach a lot here, okay? Mm. What is a beach? Is it the sand? Well, if this is sand, you can have a desert. Is it the water? Well, no, that'd be the ocean. So what is the beach that's attracting? It's a combination of even the frequency of the the magnetic pole and the waves coming in in combination with the sand. So I was in an island country a little while ago, and I had one of my um, instruments there, um, and we were able to record and copy the frequencies of the sand on the beach, the sand underwater and the water itself. And they're all different. And so it's a combination of those things coming together that have a huge impact and even shifting and changing the body to change it. So it's very interesting to see how those things play into all that. So I've had a lot of fun 
finding these different frequencies and going through there. So I'm looking forward to building a library of these things to help our patients. So if you can't go to the beach, maybe we can bring the beach to you a little bit. I think I have a deficiency in cenotes. 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 Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole different type of Um, sandstone there and things that that create that. Energy from up underneath the earth. Yep. And the fresh water versus salt water. It's... We've all had patients in the past or clients, whatever, that they do better in certain areas. For example, in the mountains, you know, they tend to be grounded on a mountain better than a beach, right? So it's understanding the different parts of frequencies in our bodies that have different requirements. And that's why I tell people it's good to go around the country, go around the world, figure out where you feel better at. One of my patients said, I felt the best in Japan ever. Move to Japan. Okay. I mean, it's kind of hard maybe in some of our lives, but- Certain bodies require certain frequencies, and so you should visit there more often or more regularly to get rebalanced. If that's a healing property you're deficient in that you don't have, you got to go there. I remember as a kid going to Colorado and getting to the mountains for the first time was with your brother, Monty. And I was like, I feel like a completely indifferent individual here. I mean, it was like my energy level shifted and changed. Everything was just completely different from being here in Flatland, Kansas, or right. even Iowa, where I was born, you know? And we look at like Colorado and some of these mountain states in the West, they're considered some of the healthiest states in the country. Right. Why is that? Right. You know, you go to Colorado and people just can't stay inside. It doesn't matter what the weather right. is out. They got to be out in the mountains. They got to be doing something, biking, skiing, whatever it is, hiking, camping. It just attracts people to it. Why do so many people live close to the mountains or right. close to the ocean? Right. You know, then us here in the yeah, middle. Yeah, people go there and get headaches and vomit and have diarrhea yeah. and- yeah, you know, but it's 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 interesting. We think about all these effects of the frequencies and why we feel better in other places or not. So, sorry. Oh, well, going back to like people who don't feel good in those places, is that a positive thing? Right. Which is kind of strange to think cleansing, about. Cleansing, cleansing. Yeah, right. it's opening up and changing things that you couldn't do, and so your body's flushing stuff out. Right. And so it's like too much of a good thing. So, right. Interesting. Dr. Luke, would you please take us home? <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> this is all good stuff, guys. So uh, we've talked a lot about how the environment can affect us in a positive way. But as Dr. Craig and, and Dr. Kyson alluded to, um, we're going to talk about how um, when we impact the environment, how that can then affect us in a negative way, kind of a vicious cycle, so to speak. So we're going to talk briefly on uh, EMF or electromagnetic fields and, and that radiation and pollution that can harm us. So let's start it with 5G. When 5G rolled out in 2018, we're now up to about anywhere from 400,000 to 500,000 new cell sites and towers across the United States. With this amount of new sites, this greatly increases our exposure to EMF uh, radio frequency. And it's um, not like the 5G replaced 4G. There's still 2G, 3G, 4G, and Wi-Fi that we're all still being bombarded by, which more on Wi-Fi in just a second. As of January 2023, I stumbled upon this in my research, and there were 430 European scientists and doctors that signed what's called the 5G Appeal, which is a letter recommending a moratorium on 5G until it has been properly studied. Because according to their appeal, here's some of the potential negative effects that 5G uh, radio frequency EMFs can have on our health. They found that there's increased risk for certain cancers, cell stress and damage, oxidative stress, Uh, DNA damage, uh, reproductive system dysfunction, cognitive and memory defects, and also that holding your cell phone to your ear for prolonged periods has demonstrated an increased risk in gliomas, which is a type of brain cancer. And more studies are needed, hence this 5G appeal to fully understand just how detrimental and widespread this exposure can be. 
And I'll end with the 5G side with a quote from this 5G appeal in which the scientists and doctors unanimously said, inaction is a cost to society and is not an option anymore. We unanimously acknowledge the serious hazard to public health that major primary prevention measures are adopted and prioritized to face this worldwide pandemic epidemic and perspective. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Pretty strong language. Next up, let's talk about Wi-Fi. A research review article in 2018 highlighted various studies conducted on the effects of Wi-Fi and EMF radiation. And just for time's sake, I want to briefly highlight the take-home. Wi-Fi exposure is linked to oxidative stress, sperm and testicular damage, neuropsychiatric effects or dysfunction, apoptosis, which is uh, premature cell death or programmed cell death, uh, DNA damage again, endocrine or hormonal changes, and calcium overload, which Dr. Ben hit on in the last episode talking about how cells control what comes in and what comes out with regards to minerals and ions. And last bit, when we kind of touched on this in our mold series was how uh, the Faraday cage, which protects from EMF exposure, and how uh, mold culture was covered by a Faraday cage. And then when that Faraday cage was removed and the EMFs hit the mold culture, the mold grew exponentially faster uh, than it would have otherwise following its natural course and how the mold spores were more viscous, virulent, and poisonous. So again, this just goes to show you how these invisible things can affect our life from an energy standpoint. And these things are, um, we're talking about them so you can begin to evaluate yourself. Uh, if you do have chronic illness or you're, or you do have unanswered health questions, again, this should be done in a healthy way. Don't worry about, I mean, complete hundred percent avoidance. That's impossible these days. But as you listen to these things, begin to take inventory of your own health and that of your loved ones, if you or them are not well. And I kind of got some flack on social media, so I wanted to touch on this point that the what we're talking about is not meant to be a scare tactic. None of it is. We're not trying to scare people to think everything in life is bad from food to these EMFs or whatever, because let's face it, these things are pretty much unavoidable in this modern age. Rather, the purpose of this podcast and these things we're talking about are to help educate people and bring awareness to them and to help people begin to connect the dots for, their, again, their own unanswered health questions. One thing we might sometimes recommend for people who wrestle with chronic illness uh, is if we identify they have a sensitivity prolonged EMF, and I know that there's genetic uh, SNPs that can identify that as well. Uh, if they have uh, are sensitive to prolonged EMF exposure, then we'll consider, hey, maybe you need to unplug the Wi-Fi at night. Or again, maybe don't hold the phone to your head or consider Ethernet. Um, so, And it, don't sleep directly to your phone at night. Whatever small tweaks we need to make to give the patient to give the best overall chance at, at success and healing, that's what we'll do. So anywho, that kind of wraps up just briefly what I had on EMF radiation exposure. Guys, did you have anything else to bring yeah, us home? Actually, I wanted to kind of touch in on, um, you know, kind of going back to that concept of what we're trying to actually do here. And Dr. Kreisen used the word a lot when he was talking about the living thing. It's about balance. And that's really essentially what we're trying to do. I talked about a little bit when I was talking about the um, the orbit of the earth around the sun, you know, that, that habitable zone or that Goldilocks principle. And I think when we're dealing with energy medicine, so much of life that we're addressing follows that principle. Too much is a bad thing. Too little is a bad thing. But when you get things just right, that's where things thrive. That's where you're going to feel healthy. That's where you're going to feel alive. And you're going to feel calm and peaceful and, you know, lively. All those different things where you feel 
true wellness. That's what we're going for. And a lot of it just stems from that balance aspect. When we get mm-hmm. things in balance, we're able to <clears throat> to really function a lot better than if we're either too much or too little. And, and there's something else that you brought up that I just want to mention. When we think about all these different things that are occurring and you alluded to, we can't get out of. And you talked about the Faraday cage. There are things like the Faraday cage, the total shield, the bubble, all these things that kind of interrupt or as Dr. Caleb was just saying, allows our body to get back into a state of balance because we, un, I guess, unconnected or we unbathed ourselves from that. And those are things that for certain people that have either predispositional issues or they're getting weak or sick all the time, those are the ones that we got to say, hey, we need to consider putting something else into your environment to help absorb those so it has less effect on you or to help your body create a new aura shield so you can repel those things. Because a sick body has a sick aura shield, and therefore, all these different frequencies have a more dynamic effect on it. And if we can rebuild that aura shield back up, now the body has a repelling factor. And whether we use electro devices, electromagnetic devices, whatever it is, certain individuals, as Dr. Keish was talking about, I think it was earlier, we have to look at the unique component of each person and what's happening to them. Because some of these things don't affect people. As we talked about, it's invisible energy. It has invisible effects. We can't say, oh, this caused that until we get big enough evidence of research to prove it, which is what the, the group you're referencing is trying to do. But individual people need to look at maybe bringing something in unique to them and their household to, to be able to do that. So most medicine or health care is actually sick care. It's reactionary medicine. Something went wrong. I can't operate. Something. I'm sick. I need. I need help. Right. And so then they go to the doctor. And then they have to do an intervention of some sort. So it's reactionary. Part of this podcast, what I like to think is, it's bringing hope to people, is to kind of put some things into your mind so you can start making positive steps in a true healthcare where you're taking care of your health versus taking care of your sickness. Right. And we really want to to help people find that balance to be able to live a healthy life without things going wrong or so many things go wrong for at such a small rate for so long that we don't even realize it's like the frog in the, in the water. If you put right. it in boiling water, it jumps out. If you put it in and slowly turn up the heat, it'll swim in there until it cooks. It's trying to help you think about things in a different way to be able to come about and say, okay, how do I look at my life and say, here's the legacy I want in my life. How do I reach that legacy? How do I stay healthy? How do I get to be a grandparent who gets to lift their grandkids and run around with them? I have this ability in my later years to even be able to not be sick and spend the entire wealth that I've accumulated in my life trying to regain my health, but to maintain that and be able to pass that on to my children and my grandchildren, to be able to leave a legacy of knowledge and wisdom and memories and just joy in relationships to be able to teach these generations after us to be able to hand these things down. And this is really what, what I look at is going, how do I change people's lives in a way that they can be able to pass on and to make the world a better place? Because, I mean, in, in essence, as doctors, we look at the individual, but I try to look globally at it. How do we make the world a better place? I mean, if we want to really have a deep, meaningful impact in the world as doctors, we've got to be able to change the world to some degree. And whether it's our small corner 
and see how that plays out and take this knowledge through the podcast. We have the ability to go through and reach all of you wherever you're at and try to be able to change things. So this allows us to work on more of a global level. I mean, we've seen that. We have patients mm-hmm. in over 10 or 12 different countries now. Right. We're almost in all 50 states. You know, people are coming in from all over and we're able to help them and treat them. And it's really cool seeing the impact, I mean, that we have as a group of doctors and what the future holds is interesting because I look and I go, we are trying to figure out, not being reactionary, but look at where the world is, where it's going, and how do we help people survive the 21st century? Right. Because there's a whole lot coming down the pipe with technology, with the radiations, with all the stuff, with all the different things that went on in the pandemic that are going to create a multitude of issues coming up in the future. How do we circumvent some of those things and start being able to treat them now to prevent them from becoming detrimental to not just our lives, our families, our friends, our city, our country, the world around us? How do we start to try to make changes now and try to get on that cutting edge to change the world in a positive way or to try to bring balance back to it? By not being fear-based and being health-based. Exactly. I like what Dr. Farney brought up is how do we regain that intuition? Because we all have it. It's an animalistic thing. I mean, an animal knows whether to proceed or not. It senses things. I mean, I used to be a hunter, and it's like the animal, like, something's wrong in the environment, and it would run. It would know. And we have that same unique aspect about us. But if we're sick, if I can use that word, or if we're deficient in our resonation, interpretation, a.k.a. intuition, then we just blindly go forward, Right. And so part of this is, I, I like how you talked about that, because if we can change one person at a time, one family at a time, one community or neighborhood at a time, one community at a time, one person going into that can bring that positive energy in and dynamically both attract others needing it and repel others who don't. And that cohesion now starts making a bigger impact in not only your family, but your your whole entire community. So, well, I think a lot of it comes down to what we work on doing the most is changing a mindset because most people come in with that sick mindset of this doesn't work or yeah, this is bad and I need to fix it as opposed to how to get things to work well. So that's one of the things that I try to focus a lot on with people I'm dealing with is I want you to not only deal with what's stopping you from having the health you want, but how do we enhance and grow? And it's not just about getting to a comfortable place. It's about being whole or impacting the world. I like that. Okay. Awesome. Well, that again wraps up this episode. So be sure to tune in next time as we finish up episodes five and six and wrap up our conversation on energy. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.